0: and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings.
1: Whirlwind of a Thursday here on the Bernstein-Gambo Show. Hope everybody out there is having a good Thursday. And as always, we appreciate you tuning us in and letting us keep you company here on this Thursday afternoon. We're live from Chase Field. We're on the field. Opening day for the Arizona Diamondbacks today. Their home opener tonight against the L.A. Dodgers at 7-10. And, of course, you'll hear the game here on Arizona Sports. They're kind enough to let us come on the field and do the show from here. And then across the street, got Suns and the Nuggets. Now, we'll talk about that game and sort of what it means in the the bigger picture. Coming up in the next segment, and uh, we'll be with you till six thirty tonight as well. These comments from Chris Paul. I, I know you have focused quite a bit on Chris as we get closer to the postseason as being
0: the key guy. I think right? they
2: need him. I think you know, you could say Chris slows down, but they got Durant now to overcome that. Durant and Booker, Da. I still think Chris has to play at a high level for them to win a championship. I really do, because you're talking about playing Milwaukee in the final. Maybe Boston in the finals. I don't think a, a a Chris Paul, a subpar Chris Paul, is good enough when you play in those teams. So I think Chris Paul has to play well for them to win a championship, and I think he knows that.
1: There's gonna, I think a different kind of Chris Paul needs to play well for them to win a championship. I think I, because it's going to be a different role for him, I, I think. He
2: doesn't have to be the number two scorer. He
1: doesn't have to be the number two scorer. I think he's going to get a lot of open looks. And I think he is really going to have to adapt and adopt the mentality of more of a gunner out there. Of more of a, okay, catch and shoot. You got an open look, take it. Don't, don't try to move it around and find a better shot. That's the best shot. You're the best shot. You standing there that open, that's the shot this offense is built to get right now. And I, I hope... I hope he pulls the trigger on those shots. I think he will, but it's been a process, right? Like, we played the soundbite of uh, Book on with Al McCoy after the game a couple of nights ago, and Al's like, we're trying to tell Chris to shoot it more, and Book's like, yeah, we are too. You know, we're trying to get him to do that more. So I I agree, it's just going to be a different kind of Chris Paul than what we're used to. As far as the big picture with Chris going into this postseason, he was on timeout with Taylor Rooks, and you found this. This was a good find by you. We haven't had a chance to hear this yet. He talked a little bit about not taking playing with Kevin Durant for granted.
3: KD, one of the best players to ever play, you know, and I haven't played a lot of basketball with a lot of great players, you know, but you know he's different. People go their whole careers and never get opportunities to play with, with guys like this. We gotta learn on the fly. We gotta figure it out as we play. It's not gonna be easy, right? But I'd rather do it with this team than anybody else. We gotta figure it out on the fly.
2: It's not gonna be easy, but I'd rather do it with this team. But I played with a lot of great players, almost like I played with a lot of great players. Nobody like this. Like, I played with great players. This is a different level. Like, this is one of the greatest in the history of the game. Yeah. So I really got to, I really, you know, I liked that comment, the figuring it it out on the, figuring it out on the fly, because that's what they're doing right now, because they just don't have a lot of time playing together. I can't
1: remember who said it. Uh, You know, I was prepping for the show a couple days ago and I was on Twitter, and I, I saw somebody try to make the point that this is, if you just look at the roster that's around him, and, again, I, I haven't looked into this, and, and I'm sure somebody out there might disagree with this. I don't know. I haven't really thought that much about it. But they made the argument that just by the roster, this is Chris Paul's best chance that he's ever had to win a championship. That he's never had a roster built better to win a championship than the one he's got right now. Not those Clippers days. Not the Houston days. No, it's true. And he's
2: he's yeah. just never, this is, in terms of roster, this is the best chance he's ever had Yeah, and, 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 you know, there's there another conversation. Comment that he made on a on a show where he's just where he was just talking about like, you know, he knows like the, the legacy, you know, the ring that oh, I got that right here. Yeah, this is this was a pretty good cut by a pretty good take by Chris.
3: The ring culture impacting his legacy. Some people have a different perspective on any and everything. If you can win a ring, great. Great for you. I'm I'm damn sure trying. I'm gonna keep competing and keep trying to give myself the best chance I can year in and year out. Uh but one thing I tell you is that I love that I continue to get an opportunity opportunity to do so you know don't knock against any guy that's won because that's hard I mean we got to the finals and we lost I'm damn grateful that I still get a chance to get another crack at it
2: yeah I mean the ring culture you know you know we got to the finals we lost I get another crack at it I mean I told you like when we talked about how well he's been playing lately to me it's almost like there's the finish line it's there Now, whether he plays after this year or not, maybe he wins a championship and retires and says, man, I'm good. Like, I'm going out on top. I don't know what's going to happen. But, like, he always gets asked about the ring. So the ring culture comment I thought was very interesting. Well, because I think, you know, here we are all these
1: years after Barkley and all these years after Nash. I mean, just look at... And just look at the best sports show on TV inside the NBA on TNT. The ring culture drives half the conversation on that show. Always, because takes right? Shaq. And and it, shock. It, and, 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 yeah, and a lot of it is done for fun. Right? A lot of uh. it is... It, it, but 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 I think the, beneath the fun, there is very much a I got rings, you don't. You know, like we have a running joke on this show, my Shaq impersonation. I got rings, you don't. Shut up, Chuck. Right? Like That's, right. Th- that's very Kenny, much... And Kenny's got two rings. Yeah. And that's very much part the culture. now. Chuck doesn't seem to care that much. He's making twenty million dollars a year. He's good. He's fine, right? Like, and i I think, I think the further you get away from a guy's career, the less the ring culture matters. You know, like I, I don't think, I don't think John Stockton. I don't know him personally. I doubt he's up every single night going, "Oh man, if I just won a ring, my life would be complete." I don't think Steve Nash. You know, oh man, if I just run won a ring, I'd, I'd have the happiness that I don't have. Right, like I, I, just, I think that you, Chris, when it's all said and done, whether he wins the title or not, can be satisfied that he's going to go down in history as one of the greatest point guards to ever play
2: this game. And nothing is going to change that. Nothing's going to take that away from him. That legacy is secure, but there's always something left missing or incomplete if you don't have that ring. Now, whether that it haunts you or not, I don't know. I mean, does it haunt Barkley and Ewing and Malone? You know, I mean... You got to live your whole life being one of those guys that didn't win it, and your name gets brought up. You could be watching a show. You, be, you know, twenty years after retirement. You could be watching a game in a, in the finals, and they may bring you up that you didn't win it. Sure. Where if you would have won it, you wouldn't have. To, you wouldn't be brought up.
1: And I'm not trying to suggest that just because you have money means that that makes it okay that you didn't win one, and it doesn't matter. I've got money, so it's all good. It's fine. I just I just think that after a while, when your playing days are done, you can. I, I always go back to. And And I always think of the comments of Steve Kerr when he was asked about this. Hey, your career, Steve Nash's, which one would you rather have had? And Kerr didn't miss a beat. He's like, oh, Steve Nash's. No question. Well, why? He doesn't have any rings and you've got five. And his answer was, he changed the game. He was he was truly an influential part of our game. One of the best to ever play it. We changed the way we play basketball because of guys like Steve Nash. I I think that Chris Paul will be able to say the same thing. Like if he doesn't, they changed the way basketball was played because Chris Paul was so good at it. He left that kind of stamp on it. And whether now. I, I, I tell you that um, I, I tell you that it um, in terms of the ring thing for Chris it would be a shame if he didn't get one just because this team is good enough. These teams have been good enough for him to get one, right? Yes. Two wins away from it in the finals two years ago. 64 wins a year yes, ago. The Kevin Durant this year, right? Like, at some point you've got to say, how could you not win a ring, you know, with everything that you've been blessed with around you? Everything you've had as part of your your surrounding, how could you not win one of these things? So, right?
2: So much pressure off of him with Durant here No, doubt. he doesn't have to carry 50% of the load to make them win it, because Chris Chris is a smaller guy. In the playoffs, teams play him differently. They can wear him down. He's an older guy, so having Durant, it's not going to mean any less to Chris that he's not the number two guy. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like Just win it with this team. You're still one of the focal point players on the team. Yeah. You may not be the number two guy. You might be the number three guy, or 3A, or 3B, whatever it is, but it's still going to mean as much.
1: When we come back here on The Burn Burns and Gambo shows are live from Chase Field. We will not get a full taste of the Nuggets for the second week in a row, and it comes at a terrible time for Denver's basketball team. We'll tell you why next here on Burns and Gambo.
0: Burns and Gambo, afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage, brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings.
1: All right, so while we're here at Chase Field across the street at Footprint Center, it's going to be the um, – there are three games left for the Phoenix Suns, the second to the last home game for the Phoenix Suns. They're they're home against the Nuggets tonight. They're on the road against L.A. tomorrow, the Lakers, and then they're home against the Clippers on Sunday. Um, for both of these teams tonight, everything is locked in. Memphis lost last night, which means it's Denver is the number one seed. They're locked in. Uh, the Suns are locked in at number four, um, so there's nothing – for either team to gain in terms of who they play tonight and the nuggets as you would kind of expect have made the announcement that Nikola Jokic is out jamal murray is out uh and then the other starters are questionable aaron gordon is questionable kcp is questionable and michael porter jr are all questionable it's very much kind of what we saw the last time these two teams played like a week ago right where denver sat everybody and that was the game the suns at the 27 point third quarter lead and they blew it it down to five in the fourth quarter and and all of that. But I know in Denver, and you brought this story to the table earlier today, while we understand not wanting to play Jokic because of the calf tightness and Jamal Murray because of the thumb, the Denver Nuggets are kind of getting sideways right now. And I know at least one guy in Denver is advocating that they do play to figure out a way to get right going into the playoffs because Denver hasn't been very right lately. Yeah,
2: I think it's so. Oh, is it Mark Kisla? Kisla. 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 Yeah. You know, and he says, you know, in eight-year experiment in extreme basketball patience, the Nuggets have 10 scant days to grow up and become a legitimate champion championship contender and it says the Nuggets don't have another NBA season of center Nikolai Jokic prime to waste. It's finals or bust for Denver players who like to talk about it but can't seem to grasp the simple notion there's zero room for excuses in a serious pursuit of the law, uh, Larry O'Brien Trophy. And he said "But I don't know about you but I'm tired of waiting for Jamal Murray to round into a NBA bubble form, uh, into his NBA bubble form. Aaron Gordon to hit a wide open jump shot and the Denver bench players to develop a reliable winning identity. Like for them, it is like it's kind of like what we felt with the Suns last year. We have the best record in the NBA, we have the best record in the West. Like we've got to do something with this. Like we've got we've got the best player. We've got a two time MVP. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't think there's another great player on that team. He does point that out in his article. But he's talking about how they've lost their mojo at the worst possible time. That they're seven and eight in their last fifteen games. That they're not even playing five hundred and that it should be a concern because this team is out of excuses. They need to at least get to the finals. This
1: is Denver's head coach, Michael Malone, a couple of nights ago. They lost to the Houston Rockets, and Malone, and this is a game that Jokic played that Jamal Murray played in for a little bit before he hurt his thumb on if they overlooked the Houston Rockets, and, and Malone went a little scorched earth on his team to the media. I have no idea. You know, uh, We had a
2: chance to, uh, to clinch number one tonight. And we talked about it this morning, you know, the opportunity at hand. Uh, And we definitely did not take that opportunity seriously because the way we played tonight was uh, unacceptable playing like that this late in the year. The best that we're going to play we will be out in the first round. Easy. Easy. See, he sees it starting to slip a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. We play like that, we're going to be out. We're going to be done in the first round. And he knows. I mean, it, it, like, they're going to face a good team. they got to face a good team. Can you imagine if it's the Warriors that they play? Could be. Can you imagine if it's the Lakers that they play in the
1: first round? Could be. Yeah. I mean, they're Could probably, be. what are they hoping for?
2: New Orleans, Minnesota?
1: I don't know. What would they be hoping for? I mean, they, okay, so the way the play in structure is right now is seven plays eight, nine plays ten. Um, The winner of 7-8 is 7. The loser of 7-8 plays the winner of 9-10. The winner of that game is 8. So So it
2: could be whoever 8, 9, or 10 is right now in the standings. Potentially. So it could be Oklahoma City, which could get passed by Dallas. So the potential is it could be Dallas, it could be Oklahoma City, it could be, what, Minnesota... Like and it could still end up being the, the Lakers. Seed if They lose, right? right. If yeah, they or lose. even the
1: team that's the sixth seed. Now the Warriors could easily drop into the play-in
2: tournament yeah. if they don't finish well. So I mean, there's. But, but their point is, it doesn't matter. Like they have to, they have to do something with the number one seed, home court advantage. Yeah, the altitude in Denver, the season they had. Like you can't, you can't win that many games, have the best record, and then and then bow out in the first round of the playoffs. And,
1: and, and that's another thing, Malone. You know, again, kind of going scorched earth on this one. Man, he used the word soft to describe his team, and that that's like third rail, right? Like, you, 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 if you're going to use that, you better
2: be real careful about how you do it. Malone did it. Well, I'm definitely going to say something, and that's my job as a head coach. You know, I'm not going to, you know, just say, it's okay, guys, bring it in. No, that's BS. You know, um, you know, when we don't do our jobs, there's accountability, and I speak the truth. And, I, and me calling a, a, a soft tonight isn't something I'm saying to you. I just told our team that. And I dared somebody to challenge me that it wasn't true. And no one did because we, as a group, were soft tonight. That, I'm not saying we are soft, but tonight we were. <laughs>
1: that's, I mean, that's yeah, that's tough words. Now, right, you can't go out and do anything. Hey, look, and I don't think even Mark Kisla, I doubt, would advocate. For playing Nikola Jokic when he's got, you know, tightness in his calf. You've got to protect him. I'm sure he wouldn't advocate playing Jamal Murray tonight, but I understand Kisla's point, his broader point that he's trying to make is that is that you know, what you'd like to do if you're Denver is play full throttle in some of these games down the stretch so you can sort of reestablish some of that mojo that you had. They're not going to have the opportunity to. Not if Jokic's hurt, not if Jamal Murray's hurt. Those right. guys aren't going to play the rest of the year. They're done. Totally. They're done. And that's you
2: know that's the thing when you you know you look at the, the Nuggets and what are the, they 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 probably if everybody was healthy they'd like to have a chance to get their mojo back but it's more important to go into the playoffs healthy than to risk an injury for a guy that's banged up I mean that's what a lot of these teams are dealing with last night I was shocked that LeBron and AD played for the Lakers shocked it's like for them it should be I need these guys to be healthy and rested in the, going into the playoffs I can't wear them out back to back games like that so to me I mean I never thought that those two guys were going to play in that game and they did.
1: Yeah, and they did. Now, from the Suns' perspective, if we look at this from the other side of the coin, nobody really knows for sure how they're going to play it. I'm reading from the Twitter accounts of the people who cover the Suns on a daily basis, and I'm talking about, of course, their own Kellen Olsen, Gerald Borgay, Dwayne Rankin, uh, Stephen Pryjon, and others. Uh, Monty is meeting with the media kind of as we speak. He's saying the Suns' approach with the, Nugs, the Nuggets missing key players tonight. Quote, we have to try to use these games to still learn and get guys to a certain place that we feel is comfortable for them, close quote. So we still kind of leaving the option open for, hey, these games still matter to us because we just haven't had a lot of time together. But then there's this tweet from Dwayne Rankin, and I don't know exactly how Monty said it. So I'm just going to read Rankin's Twitter word for word. Quote, Monty Williams hinted that they may not play everyone in one of the next two games,
2: be it the Lakers and Clippers. That's kind of what you and I are expecting. Totally. And One I- game off. Yep. That's what I thought. One game off when we voted yesterday on our poll. Mhm. Now, you could probably take the I would imagine it's the Lakers game. I think second night of a back-to-back. Lakers game. Second night of a back-to-back. Your guys have been injured this year. You're healthy right now. You want to keep it that way. Now, the final game of the season. Go get a sweat. You know we talked about, you know, when you had four preseason games, maybe that's like the third preseason game. Go get out there. Go go play half the game and then we're going to shut you down. We don't need you to play the full game, but go get a little work. Go get some, you know, I don't want to play you long minutes or anything like that. So it could be almost you, you, you approach that final game. Yeah. Because there is a long... If you go two games in a row and not play in them, now you're talking about a lot of rust because they're not going to have played a game by the time they play in, like, you know. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. That, because o- I, Over a week.
1: Because I, I don't think the Suns, I'm going to guess, the Suns are going to be on Sunday, not Saturday, in the playoffs, only because I think they're going to be a high, high-profile first-round matchup no matter who they get, be it the Clippers, be it the Lakers, be it the Warriors. I mean, that's. I, I think it's going to be one of the most prime time of the sp- Um, So I I think Sunday will be the first day they play. I I think that's exactly how it's going to go. I think you're going to see normal minutes tonight. I think tomorrow you're going to see a bunch of guys sit and not play because the second night of a back-to-back. And then I think on Sunday, you'll see a first half where everything looks normal and a second half where things don't. You know, where, where okay, Monty, because con- the conditioning thing, that's a weird thing, too. Okay, you're not playing for another week. I mean, what's the point of keeping your conditioning up when the NBA is going to force you to not play yeah, for a whole does, week?
2: Does, 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 is there a difference between seven games and nine games of not having played? Probably not. And if, if, you're, if at, you're not. In, they're not in rhythm.
1: Yeah, and if the risk is injury and the reward is an extra day's rest, I, I would vote for the ex, for the reward. You know, and, and just say it doesn't really... It's not like you're playing two days from now and you're trying to keep your rhythm. You're not going to play for a whole week after you play on Sunday. I think that's what they're going to do. You think that's what they're going to do, but no one knows for sure. When we come back, well, first of all, uh, since we're talking about the Suns, this is a good opportunity for me to remind you that the legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We want to hear from you. Text the word AL to 620-620. Submit a video, a thank you AL message. We might even play it on the air. Text the word AL to 620-620. Tonight, Diamondbacks home opener. What we've seen from them in the first six games is different, and it's working. And we'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.
0: return to the Valley hosting the Dodgers for their first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs home opener coverage with Burns and Gambo live at Chase Field.
1: Welcome into our coverage here on this Thursday night. We are live from Chase Field. We are live on Chase Field. We're here right behind the um, home plate, right next to the Diamondbacks' dugout. The Dodgers are on their field taking batting practice right now. There's Dave Roberts over there. I saw Clayton Kershaw a little bit earlier. Uh, The crowd is already starting to filter in. We were talking with Derek Hall a little bit earlier. He said almost a sellout tonight. They're going to get... Close, I would imagine that means there are some tickets left for tonight. But it's going to be, as I mentioned, a busy night down here in downtown Phoenix yes. with the Suns game across the street too. So
2: it's exciting. It's an exciting time, you know, um, to have the opener. You got the Dodgers in town for the opener. Um, they've actually been here for the opener two times previously. One of them, believe it or not, Hideo Nomo against Randy Johnson. Oh wow! Yes, that was one of the openers. Yeah. Your, which year was that? Was that that was in two thousand and three? Okay, so that's purple and teal. Two thousand three. Randy Johnson. <laughs> the Hideo Nomo beat Randy Johnson. The Dodgers won the game. That was my uh, first season as
1: the full-time host of Diamond Talk. Two thousand three. Two thousand three season. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it might be in your, one of your little notebooks right there. <laughs> Probably. The Deonomo versus Randy probably, Johnson. I don't the, remember that in the in the, I, in I the home opener. The other one was two thousand and eight, and Dan Heron led the Diamondbacks to a nine three win. So this is the third time that the Dodgers have been the opponent for Arizona in the home opener. Two thousand three, two thousand and eight, and now. It's fun. I look, let's let's call it like it is. It's
1: way more fun given that the Diamondbacks are 3-3, three three, probably should be 4-2, and two, and have shown a real... Now, you can say they got outscored by this Dodgers team 20-7, to seven, and you wouldn't be wrong, but they split that series, they split their two-game series against the Padres, they probably could have gone 2-0 and o against the Padres, and something we talked about with this team going into the season, they were going to be one of the most entertaining teams to watch in all of Major League Baseball. I really believe that you did too. Through six games, they have been that. They have been one of the most entertaining teams to watch in baseball because they play a style that's just so old school. It's so throwback. They've got a roster built to take advantages of these new
2: rules in in baseball, and they are taking advantage of that through the first six games. They are. I mean, the the, the pitcher can only throw over a couple of times. Now, the third time, if they throw over, they don't get you. You get second base. So, you know, you kind of know that the pitcher doesn't want to really throw over. So you get that extra lead. The bases are bigger. That helps a little bit, too. And the Diamondbacks are a young team. And I pointed out earlier that the young team's In baseball right now are really excelling because of you know their their speed, where some of the older teams, you know, aren't as much. So with the you know, you look at the Guardians, you look at the Orioles, you look at the Rays, some of these teams are really doing a good job, you know, stealing bases. And um, and the Diamondbacks are one of those teams too. The Orioles rays This is incredible. Listen, the Orioles Rays and Guardians have stole twenty-two out of twenty-three bases. They're the three youngest teams in baseball. They're also twelve and four to start the season. Arizona is one of the top ten youngest teams in baseball. They've got nine steals in ten tries. It is a it is a way to kind of help your team, you know, get a runner in scoring position uh, instead of just you know having him there on first base and then needing two hits to score him. Now with the ability to steal second, stolen bases are at like eighty four percent this year, Bernsey. Yeah, like not many guys are getting thrown out. The stolen base success rate right now is eighty four percent. The throwovers help, certainly, right? Like,
1: because there's a cap on that, and there's a limit to how many, and I don't know how much the larger bases, because they're not significantly larger, they're slightly larger. I don't know how much that helps, but, I mean, every little bit helps. Look, Mike hazen has been on record about this in the past. He said, would we like to have more power on the roster? Of course we'd like to have more power on the roster. You'd always like to have, because you can change a game, right? Like, with just one swing of the bat. But to think that the Diamondbacks beat the Padres the way they did a couple of days ago, you know, with what nine hits, only two were for extra bases, none were home runs, and they still scored eight runs in the game. I mean that that you think about the modern era of baseball as we know it, that almost never happens, never, right? Like, how do you score eight runs with on two extra base hits for the game, none of which were home runs? That you inning,
2: know, that inning was crazy. It was
1: crazy. It was it was crazy. And, and and I I tell you what, it does is depending on the pitcher that you're facing... It's going to get in their heads. Now, not every night, you know, like a guy like Kershaw, I don't think it's going to get in Kershaw's head. He's not pitching tonight, but I'm just using him as an example. I, I think a veteran pitcher isn't going to get too rattled by that speed and that chaos, but I think there are other pitchers who will because the Diamondbacks, they're going to use it. They've got a weapon, and they're going to use it. Yeah. Because other, most teams don't have that.
2: You know, I was reading a Sports Illustrated story where they said the Padres relievers Luis Garcia and Brent Honeywell. They were so overwhelmed as the Diamondbacks kept taking off on the base paths that it led to unnecessary pickoff throws with Jose Herrera, who had no stolen bases in the minors and majors last year at first base. Yeah. They're so worried about it They're that rattled they up with Jose Herrera there. Yeah, it rattles you.
1: It, it does. Now, you know, will, will guys get used to it? Yes. Will veteran pitchers not be so rattled by it? Probably. You know, will teams adjust to how the Diamondbacks are winning these games? I think that's bound to happen to a certain level, and I think how the Diamondbacks adjust back will be key. I mean, look, let's. What was it Derek that we were talking to earlier? Derek Hall. We said, look, let's be honest. It's not like we've even played our best baseball these first six games, no. right? No, they haven't hit great. Pitched they haven't. Great. They haven't pitched great. Bullpen blew a save. Yeah, the bullpen blew a save, and and the, like the ERA in general, it, it's not. It's not as if they've played their very best brand of baseball, and they still have managed to eke out a three and three record with that. Against two Titans in the National League West, two Titans in the National League, and the Dodgers and the Padres. It's fun. That that to me is what makes this opening day a little bit more special than some of the ones that we've had in the past. Because we've got this early sampling of this team and what they can do, and it's exciting. Like I think we're on the verge of something here with this. Maybe not this year, but soon with this team.
2: And I even said that to Derek Hall. I go, there are years that you kind of knew you weren't going to be that good, and you had to show that optimism and everything. But in your heart you kind of knew that you didn't have a roster that could do any damage. Where this year, you kind of feel like... Not that they could win the division. Not that they could win the World Series. But that they could be competitive enough to maybe get a wild card. At least be in it. And that's the first step. Maybe they're a year away. Maybe they're two years away. But we may look back at this Diamondback year like we did the, the year the Suns were in the bubble. I think there's even a first step before that. And I think the, that the, the first
1: first step is just be interesting and compelling enough to watch every single night. Like, And I think they really started to do that towards the end of last year. They were fun. They were fun to watch. Everybody around baseball is like, man, the Dimebacks are just fun to watch. They've been fun to watch so far this year. I I think that's the first first step. And then the next one becomes when can you compete? Because remember... I mean, as exciting as these young guys are, and I don't want to you know, build a house on the young guys because you, you never really know who's going to be good and who's not, but some of the best ones, they're not here yet. You know, yeah. Jordan Lawler's not here yet. Drew Brandon Jones. Fott's not here yet. Drew Jones isn't here yet, you know? Um, I mean, Trey Jameson, he's not even in the rotation yet, and he's been an eye-opener six games in with what he's been able to do. Fun times. Uh, news to pass along about the Suns. I'm going to bring this up right now. Alright, here you go. Who's playing? For the Nuggets? Stugats. Oh, he's pretty good. De- <laughs> he, he's yeah, good. He's, he's got a nice mid-range from about he's, 17 yeah. feet. He's money. Yeah, Stu's got a really sweet mid-range.
2: He's a good defensive player. Um, you know, he gets, gets his he gets his hands in the passing lane. <laughs> rebounds the ball really well. Watch him on the fast break. Go ahead.
1: M- Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, all out. All out. In addition to Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. and Jamal Murray. The entire starting five for the Denver Nuggets. Not playing today. Crazy.
2: You know, it's. It yeah, does. No, I mean, it, listen. They got the number one seed. There's nothing to play for. They just need health. Yeah. Now they're not going to get the chance to get their mojo back because they're seven eight in their last fifteen games, seven and eight. But they're just going to have to hope that you know that the health will be a key for them going into the playoffs. First time we've heard from him in a long time. Former
1: Cardinals GM Steve Keim on trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins and where Kyler Murray has left to grow. You'll hear what Steve had to say on both of those topics next, right here on the burns and gambo show
0: arizona sports the local sports leader burns and gambo what's on tonight
1: what is on tonight and it's brought to you by global credit union 12 branches here to serve you become a member today at globalcu.org all three local teams in action tonight. Which means it's going to be a busy night on our family of radio stations here, because in one way or another, we've got them all for you. Which means we got a lot
2: of work to do tomorrow morning.
1: Uh, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, Nugget Suns, that one starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on ESPN 620 in the Arizona Sports app. You've got the Coyotes taking on the Kraken in Seattle. That one starts at 730. Such a great name. Yep, uh, you know what? One hundred percent. That is a a great, great name, name. the Kraken, and it's a great logo, and it's a great color. I mean, they nailed that. They did. Like, I know you don't get like super in like uniforms or anything. Not at all. Oh my god, they knocked that out of the park in Seattle. It's a cool name. Yeah, it's a cool jersey. It's a cool look. What does it mean? It's a. a, a, It's like a octopus, right? Oh, is it a Kraken like a giant octopus? I think. Oh man, I love octopus. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to eat. Mitch, am I right?
2: Yeah, it's like a giant squid basically. Oh, yeah, it's a giant squid. Yeah. 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 It's the, it's like the in um Clash of the Titans when Zeus says release the Kraken, it's that yeah. big old octopusy thing. It's the my Kraken. wife my wife hates when I eat that. Octopus? She hates it. A hates squid eating o- octopus, yeah. She don't, I'm saying she doesn't like it. I like it. I like. She it. doesn't like the taste of it. Or she doesn't like the. She doesn't eating like eating an octopus. She would never be able. Like she would. She would get grossed out by eating an octopus. She, she would she, never is try. Is she a vegetarian? No, she's not a vegetarian. She eats meat. She doesn't really like the fish seafood but you know i'm italian we eat everything that crawls on the bottom of the ocean if it crawls on the ocean we eat it <laughs> you name it. If it crawls on the bottom of the ocean us Italians, of <laughs> we will absolutely eat it
1: uh and oh i just thought she was objecting to it because she had a soft spot for octopus i don't i don't know uh, Diamondbacks-Dodgers, 7-10. Opening day here for the Diamondbacks. Not, I mean, not, not opening day. They've played six games, but their home opener, certainly, tonight, 7-10. You'll hear that game right here on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. So, as you can see, a busy night. Lots to watch. Lots to keep an eye on. Um, Steve Keim has, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, resurfaced. He was on the green light pod with uh, Chris Long. And spoke about many things, kind of about his career, how it started, and then in all of this, in full disclosure, he wasn't asked a single question about the Terry McDonough accusations.
2: So we assume that the podcast was recorded pre—I have to think pre-story pre- that came out yeah, about right? the burner phone and right.
1: how all that went down. He wasn't asked a thing about that. So I have to assume the same thing that he wasn't asked about any of that. He was, however, asked about Kyler Murray. And this was uh, – we'll get into the D-Hop stuff in a minute. The stuff he said about Kyler Murray, just just enough of a kind of gentle criticism of him to kind of let you know, I think, where he and the organization stood with Kyler. And I'll, I'll let the soundbite explain.
3: Obviously, the height hurts him at times, seeing over the line and processing and seeing the field. But at the same time, I mean, he's just a tremendous talent. I mean, he really is – the stuff he does, you see in practice and in some games, I and mean, he's just off the charts. I think it's just putting it together and playing consistent football for four quarters.
1: And there's more in which he kind of talked about the other things that Kyler needs to do to to be better.
3: I think he he still needs to grow, and yeah. and it's not a again, it's not slanted towards his, his character. He he is not a bad guy. He's a yeah. really good kid, has a good smile, and has a nice way about him. Um, I think it's like anything. Guys have to continue to learn what it's going to take. To be great, you know, does does he know what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady know knows what it takes to be great? No. Um, does he work? He does work. Um, I think it's just that side of the uh, the game, the, the the film study, the attention to detail part that he can continue to improve upon, and I think he will.
1: Just a little bit of a gentle, right kind of yeah, kind a little, of a dig, a little just the film study and the details and that sort of thing, all the stuff that we just largely assume about Kyler is kind of what
2: Steve said about Kyler and what he needs to do to get better. Yeah and I think that you know Steve you know Steve wants Kyler to do well. it's his draft pick. You know, I mean, he wants Kyler to do well. He wants to feel like he nailed that draft. So that was a, that's important for Steve that Kyler still develops and becomes a a good player because Steve drafted him. Steve, you know, encouraged the contract extension for him. So it's pretty, you know, for Steve. Even though he's not a GM of this team anymore and he's not associated with the Cardinals anymore, he's going to want Kyler to do well because again, it may it, it looks good on him if he does. So no doubt. Uh, and I mean, there there certainly are. You know, we talk about the draft history
1: of Steve Kime and of course, it's it's not great. Um, that, that's, and that's putting it mildly. There have been great picks. There have been picks that he got very right. Um, Tyron Matthew, he got very right. Certainly in the beginning, David Johnson was one that he got very right. Uh, Buda Baker, he obviously got very, very right. Um, I, I don't... I don't know if Kyler. In fact, I know he hasn't. Kyler is not yet in that club of a great Steve Kime draft pick yet. You know, like I know he's got the second contract, and usually we use that as the basis to determine greatness in the NFL when it comes to drafting, but I don't think we can put Kyler in the great draft pick by Steve Kime club yet. I don't think he's
2: there. I was looking at a a story yesterday. They were like kind of regrading the draft picks from that year, and with Kyler, it was just like, like it's incomplete. We don't know. Yeah, you know, I think I sent it to you. It was when it? You did. Yeah. It was just we don't know. Like I mean, here you are. You got. You and it's always the worst thing when you're four, three, four, five years into a guy's career and you're not sure what you have. It's the worst thing because you know here you are and it's not like Kyler Murray's a rookie. Or it's not even like he's he's in his second year and he's third. And you're not really sure what you have in the guy. Yeah. And we we felt we have felt that way. I think people felt that way about DeAndre Ayton. After oh, the sure. first three years. Oh, of course. Where? Oh, what do no. you have? What do you have in his. Do you guy? want to keep
1: him? Is he worth keeping? What is he, What, what right. value does he, bro? Of course. And
2: I, and I think.
1: In the NFL, and I could be wrong here, I think in the NFL, by and large, that happens way more at the quarterback position than it does any other position on the field. What exactly do we Daniel Jones, what exactly do you have? You know, Carson Wentz, when he led the Eagles to the Super Bowl before he got hurt, what do you have? Jared Goff, what do you have, right? Like, we,
2: but then there's some no-brainers, aren't there? Joe Burrow's a no-brainer. Um, I know Patrick Mahomes. Patrick no Mahomes, brainer. no brainer. Josh I, I, Allen, or Josh, no brainer. Justin Herbert.
1: Uh, I think he's a no brainer, but other people point to the lack of playoff success at this point in his career and say maybe they don't know. I think he's a no brainer. Lamar I, I Jackson. There are people who put him in the in yeah. the not sure category. He's really good. I think he's really good too. Um, but there, you know, there. I mean, if he were a no brainer, he would have a home. If he were a no-brainer, he would have a contract and a home and a team, and he it should. would all be done. I, mean,
2: I don't know why he doesn't have a – I mean, it's crazy to me. I think the, I think he's really good. But there are some of those that are just, okay, you know right away what you have. It's tough. You know, when you go three or four years and you don't know what the guy has, how often does it turn out that 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 he's great? How often does it turn out that, okay – you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Like, if you don't know after the third or fourth year, what's the chances that that guy will end up being great? Well, I mean, I think
1: there are always exceptions to the rule. Drew Brees. Um, Hassan Redick was the name that I was thinking of. You know, you didn't know what you had after three years. He turned out really, really good. Right.
2: Really, really good. You, you, But with the quarterback, like the quarterback, teams don't let go of great quarterbacks. No. No. They don't let go of great quarterbacks. Nope. You get. That's why so many guys, you know, they stay with it. The, Dan Marino stayed with the Dolphins forever. Ben Roethlisberg with the Steelers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? Right up until this year. Brett Favre all those years in Green Bay. You think about guys, you know, Troy Aikman. Think about winning Joe Montana up until the end when he went to Kansas City. You usually stay with a team for a really long time if you're good because they know you're good and they're not going to let you go. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Steve, and I, I can't play the audio
1: here for some reason, so I'll just tell you, Steve was also asked about a DeAndre Hopkins trade and kind of trade value for DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins, and um, he said it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because there are just certain things about DeAndre Hopkins' trade value that's looking a little rough. Um, on the Cardinals, quote, they're probably going to have to come to understand that they're probably not going to get as much as they would have if he were a younger player, or his contract was considerably lower, or you could get him for a second-round pick. It could end up being a second or third day draft pick to really get it done. You probably get a need to get a new deal done as well. He went on to say that the, the, the deal that he negotiated to the receiver is is tough. It's his current contract. Hop was his own agent. I can tell you that wasn't the easiest negotiation in the world. All trying to explain why a trade that we all thought by now was going to be done is still not done. I still don't really understand what exactly the hold
2: is, you know? Right. It's not an older player with a crazy contract. It's a player that's in his prime with a pretty reasonable contract. If DeAndre Hopkins was just a free agent right now, I mean, I, I can't imagine that nobody would have signed him for a contract that's more money than what he's being paid. Is it the compensation? Nobody wants to give up the compensation anymore? I, you know, I, I you, th- you think about the way the NBA changed, like from the Barkley trade to the KD trade, right? When Barkley got traded, we want players, we want players. We got four players from the Rockets. And then, you know, when the Nets traded KD, not only did they get two players, they also got like four first round draft picks and pick swaps. I mean, is it to the point where teams just value those picks too much now and they don't want to give them up unless it's for a quarterback? I don't know. I don't know.
1: I, I think there is this perception out there, too, that DeAndre Hopkins is old. I think in the soundbite I can't play, Man. Steve even referenced a 33 year old DeAndre Hopkins. He's 30. He turns 31 in a month or two, but that's not, he's not there yet, right? Like,
2: over the the hill done past his prime i mean the guy's 30 years old are we are we there with that i don't think so how many teams need a great wide receiver that might be able to get him over the hump and win him a super bowl like he's that guy yeah i'm still baffled by that when
1: we come back we'll preview tonight's game exclusively d-backs and the dodgers that's coming up next to the burns and gimbo show
0: arizona sports the home of arizona diamondbacks baseball We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger for a limited time only at Sonic and by 72 sold. 72 sold. Get a higher price for your home.
1: Diamondbacks on deck as we are... On deck. (laughs) There's the on deck circle right there, right behind Gambo. We're we're on deck here on the field.
2: Game's starting soon. You guys are still on the field. We're like the marching band that refused to yield.
1: That's us. We'll we'll move eventually um, here in another 10 minutes or so. Bonus Burns and Gambo taking you up until official pregame coverage of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the LA Dodgers. This is our official pregame coverage of the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. The D-Backs on deck show for the the home opener for Arizona's. We are live at Chase Field. We're on the field right next to the the on deck circle and it's always it's been a pleasure yeah. being here. Time back take uh, great care of
2: us. It's great. You know, we got down here early, me and you, we headed over to Willie's taco join, had a great lunch, I myself a nice carne asada burrito, get all ready for the game. I got a friend. Uh, from uh, from uh, Britain, that's over. My friend Andy flies for British Airways. He's here. He's going to the game with uh, my wife and my son. So, and I'm and i me too. We're gonna sit and watch the game. So, just exciting time. a lo- love opening day. We've been here for every one. Me and you have not missed one of these opening days. The only one we missed was the pandemic yep. when we weren't allowed. And we were teasing each other that we probably should have snuck in just so we could continue to say we've been at every one.
1: We were joking with the head groundskeeper that we probably should have <clears> snuck <throat> in in 2020 bit. But yeah. I- it's we've got a perfect now of course we didn't know each other back 25 years ago or if we did it was barely uh we weren't doing the show together for that long but yeah you and i have not missed a single home opener for the arizona diamondbacks save for the 2020 pandemic home opener and it's it's i I, I said it before i'll say it again this this ballpark is by no means perfect right there are certainly better around major league baseball but But it's ours it's ours and, and it's it's i it's very comfortable here i i you know i they, they could certainly do better, and we talked with Derek Hall about that process and wanting to decide soon, sometime in the next couple of months, whether they're going to build a new ballpark or renovate this one. We asked them about Footprint Center and what the Suns did and transforming that building, and who knows, maybe that's what they'll try to do with this building. It's going to take time. It's going to take some money to be able to do all that. A but
2: whole lot of spending A whole money.
1: lot of spe- but it, it clearly needs it. And right? patience and time. Indeed. <laughs> it's going to take patience and time. <laughs> but it—I I don't know what they're going to do. We'll see what decision they make. But I Derek Hall made it they sound like they—they want to do something soon.
2: I think they'll stay here. My—my my, my gut tells me they're going to end up here, and probably just have to redo the ballpark. And we, we even talked to Derek about like how big would you want the ballpark? He's like thirty-five to thirty-eight thousand seats. That would be perfect. Now this is a sellout today. This game is a sellout. Yep. Just announced. But normally, ago. I mean, it's almost fifty thousand seats in this ballpark. It's too big. So 35 to 38 would just feel a lot more intimate. It would feel a lot be a lot better. You wouldn't, you know, you definitely wouldn't have all the empty seats if you had a much, you know, smaller ballpark.
1: Yeah, and that was something that Derek talked about is that no matter what you did to the inside of this place, it's it's always going to feel a little cavernous. And I'm in particular looking at the giant rows of seats as I'm kind of staring now in the in the upper deck down the foul pole lines, you know, down towards kind of the end. Right. It's 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 just it's giant. Up there, and uh, there's not much you're going to be able to do with that space to make it feel more intimate, but there's certainly more premium stuff you can add on the inside to at least try to make it feel smaller, and again, the Footprint Center, they without changing the footprint of that building, they certainly change the feel of it. I mean, it just feels very different there, and so we'll see. We'll see what they're able to do. Let's focus on tonight's game, your pitching matchup for tonight's game between the 4-2 and LA Dodgers and the 3-3 and Arizona Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly getting the start for the D backs, the righty, e, 0 and 0 with a 0 ERA, but he still struggled a little bit his first time out against these Dodgers. Dustin May, he is also 0 and 0 with a 0 ERA. He did not struggle against the no. Diamondbacks, but he really
2: stuck it to him when they played last he week. Yeah, he's great. He got a no decision, believe it or not, but he pitched a career high seven innings, uh, got the no decision. He had the four strikeouts, did not walk a batter, only gave up three hits. It was a 2 1 game. Um, and and he pitched really, really well. D-backs get the win, um, but Dustin May pitched fantastic. They gave his team a great chance to win. He did. Uh, Dustin May
1: was tremendous in that game. Merrill Kelly, on the other hand, in his first start, he went three and two-thirds, didn't give up a run. He walked four and struck out four. It was it was the outing that, uh, and it was expected, given that he was coming off the World Baseball Classic and hadn't really built up his innings yet, it was a short outing for him, and because of that, that was the Dre Jameson game. That was that Friday yes. night, game two of the season, when Torrey Lavello afterwards said, Hey, look, Dre Jameson is the reason we won this game. He came in, gave him five really good innings of relief in that game. Um, we'll see how deep Merrill is able to go in tonight's game.
2: Yeah, I expect him to be much better, and it'll be a good good test. I mean, May's a good pitcher. He's been in the big leagues for five years, but he, he's got 38 major league games, 26 starts, and he does a good job. He's limited opponents to a 212 batting average. Uh, in his start, so he's done a really good job with that, so um, he's been fantastic over the years, and uh, the years he's pitched, he hasn't pitched a whole lot but he's a guy that's got a lot of potential and a good player.
1: Yeah, uh, as far as uh, the Diamondbacks go, of course, this is a rematch of the four-game series that we saw just last week, um, and this is you know, 20-7, to the Dodgers outscored them, but the Diamondbacks used the small ball, the, the Kyle Lewis home run in the eighth inning on that Friday night, the pinch hit home run but he used the three home run, pinch hitters. right, um, um, the Jake McCarthy drag bunt on Sunday that was big for them uh, and and the Diamondbacks for the first time in forever walked out of Dodger Stadium not having lost the series they got the split right for five it, years yeah it was five years 2018 was the last time they were able to say that about Dodger Stadium
2: yeah that was a good split the Padres split was a good split and you know it was interesting because we had Jake McCarthy on and we like you know we're all excited that they went three and three and that they they didn't lose the series and uh, on the rope it's kind of you know they feel kind of Like, hey, you know, we, we, we aspire for more. Like, we want to do better. Like, we thought we could have won, you know, came back with a winning record. So, I like that attitude, too, that they're not just completely satisfied that they went three and three in those games.
1: All right, your injury report today it is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, not much of a change when it comes. Comes To their injured list. The same four players are there. Carson Kelly with the fractured forearm, Joe Mantiply with the shoulder inflammation, Corbin Martin with the torn lat tendon, and Mark Melanson with the strained shoulder. Those guys have all been on the injured list so far throughout the course of the season. I will update this. Troy Lovello, and we're going to have Tori on the show tomorrow, Gamble, for his weekly visit. Uh, Mad Bomb is expected to make his next starts. I believe that would be tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Here, he yeah. uh, was sent home with some shoulder fatigue, some arm fatigue. Um, but apparently he checked out okay. And it was a tough start for him against the Dodgers. But he is going to make that start on
2: Friday. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, he, you mentioned he had some good stretches last year where he pitched well. I, I kind of think that, you know, if, if he doesn't pitch well this year, I don't know that you've got a long leash for him because you're trying to win baseball games. So we'll see. He had a really rough out first outing. He's a Veteran. he's done it before he's had some struggles ever since he's been with the Diamondbacks um, they need him to pitch well like that's one of the things that not as much as they did in previous years um, because they've got guys that can come in but you know they've got a big investment in him and they definitely want to see him you know reward them and pitch better than he did the last no time. doubt about it
3: and, and
1: and if he doesn't to your point they're gonna have to make some really big tough decisions that I'm sure they'd really rather not make right now when it comes to him and that contract and what exactly they're going to do about it. Uh, That is something I'm sure they'd like to avoid as long as they possibly can. But if he struggles, and it was just one start, I, I didn't caution everybody to read too much into one start, but because he was sent home with the arm fatigue, that's what's got everybody a little concerned. The MLB standings are presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond, honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. It's very early in the season so far, but I will tell you, the Atlanta Braves off to to a 5-1 start. The Milwaukee Brewers, they're coming in after the Dodgers this series. They're off to a 5-1 and one start. So far, it's the L.A. Dodgers leading the way in the West with a 4-2 and two start. And a bit of a surprise. Pittsburgh's Pirates are 4-2 so far to start How the baseball that? season. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. Yeah. That's pretty
2: interesting. Alright, let's get
1: you a key to tonight's game,
0: shall we? Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. <laughs> Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball, D-backs keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. You are the key, Master. We
2: know know the D-backs like to play small ball. We know they like to move runners around and steal bases. What do the Dodgers do? They're having a lot of success right now, Bernsey with the long ball. 13 home runs tied for tops in the major leagues with Tampa Bay. They've actually homered in six straight games. 13 home runs overall, home runs in six straight games. That's one of the keys. The other thing is quality starts. The Dodgers have five quality starts in six tries. That leads the major leagues. Try to get to some of these pitchers. Early, so you can get to that bullpen.
1: Yeah, Dodgers starting pitching was really, really good against the Diamondbacks during that four-game series. Let's see if the Diamondbacks can start to crack that code a little bit. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, straight up two o'clock, right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone.
0: You're still here. It's over. Go home go. Oh.